0: last time on video night yes no yeah no oh yeah no. wow and now burger burger, get in here what burger burger run burger tron bur- bur- biscuits and gravy get in here it's what <laughs> hey d- bagels and cream cheese
1: get your ass in
0: my office i don't know oh wait oh i know what you're doing you're doing the angry yelling boss cop. Yes,
1: I am. Get in my
0: office now. It's Bargeron, by the way.
1: Burger, Bigamundo.
0: Burgertron. I know somebody's called me Burgertron because they could not pronounce Bargeron, but it's all right. I made a shirt out of it.
1: Okay, Biggles' adventures in time. Get in my office now. I gotta talk to you. You <laughs> can hardly understand you. Bugaloo Electric Two. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> Okay, so all right, I want you to hand in your your gun and badge. You're a reckless cop. You're a rebel. I, hold on a second. This is the wrong paperwork. Uh oh. Uh, all right. Hold on a second. Uh, you're getting a new partner. <laughs> it's me. I've been demoted. Oh no! I can lose this voice now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm accepting the demotion. I can take your job now. I almost blew a vessel on that one. <laughs> I can't, I can't get a word
0: in edgewise.
1: I object to having a new partner.
0: Why are you tangenting at the beginning of the show? What is this?
1: If we are talking about genre buddy cop movies. Of course, okay, hold on. When I say genre, a lot of people say, you know, everything is a genre. But, sure. you know, in certain... Yeah, you, I, you think know, kinda, I think it's a
0: given, right? Right. That a genre means horror or science fiction.
1: Or, or fantasy or something, uh, out of the ordinary. Um, action, comedy, drama, yes, technically those are all genres, but they're so commonplace that people really don't refer to it in that fashion. But the what we're discussing now are buddy cop movies that kind of took a different, you know, it, it wasn't just your normal, like, terrorists or gun runners or whatever, your you're, you're realistic villains. These were uh, supernatural, uh, science fiction oriented kind of stuff.
0: And often kind of gory.
1: Yeah. Ooh, I'm still catching my breath from doing that voice.
0: (laughs) What are we starting with? What do we got?
1: I think we're going to start with The Hidden since it's... We're going to go in chronological order on this one. I'm pretty sure Sure. The Hidden came out before Dead Heat.
0: So The Hidden... The most wanted criminal in the universe. It's not human. Has come to Earth.
1: Step out of the car slowly. Now
0: nothing can stop it. Except the cops. (laughs) followed it here am i crazy
1: or does this seem just a little bizarre
0: you think it's over now
1: the hidden you're wrong rated r
0: is interesting because it has two cast members from twin peaks chris mulkey and comic lachlan chris mulkey opens the movie and Tom McLaughlin basically finishes the movie i didn't know and chris mulkey was think- ever on that show yeah, yeah, he's uh, Hank Jennings, and he, of course he plays a heel. So, But this show, this movie, is is nothing really like Twin Peaks.
1: Yeah, which I still have never seen. I've never seen a single episode of Twin Peaks, but I've noticed this a lot in stuff I've been watching lately where it shares a lot of similar cast members. Sometimes it's because it's the same production company and just saves them time, like Joel Silver used to do this all the time. But I also kind of wonder if they share the same agencies, and it's kind of like, you know they, the way they do with package deals now? You have to accept a lead and a couple of their subs, you know, and then uh, some of their up-and-coming in smaller roles. Huh. I wonder if it was that way with like some of these lower budget productions. Like, we'll give you Kyle McLaughlin, but then you also have to take you know, a couple others.
0: Huh, I, I wouldn't know, really. I'm Got not, on, I'm not that much on the inside track. You pay attention to all the inside stuff and I peek in every so once in a while and look at the special effects and how that's made. Yeah. Speaking of special effects, The Hidden. It is a cop plus FBI versus sh- sort of a shape-shifting alien. It's not shapeshifting, squid really. squid monster yeah a yeah. giant
1: version of night of the creeps
0: it's weird it's like a snail or a slug with tentacles yeah it's very interesting actually it reminds me of another thing that I... i've mentioned before i don't know if i remember, mentioned it on the air but a tv show miniseries something's out there do you remember
1: oh uh Diabo, right? yeah it came the, out it came Mary out Diablo? around the same
0: time too and yes mm-hmm. and they're very similar where it's that was like a Proto X-Files. Now this isn't quite X-Files. This is all 80s excess violence, action.
1: <laughs> you think? <laughs> so what's the, what's
0: the plot? Break it down real quick.
1: All right, Kyle McLaughlin's FBI agent, teaming up with uh, Michael Nori, who is a cop, who is just discovered uh, something's just not right with the fact that Chris Mulkey got into a hot rod and ran into a bunch of cops, got shot up a Well, whole shitload of times. i got to
0: interject. Not quite a hot rod, a Lamborghini. He he loves Lamborghinis.
1: Oh, I thought he just liked fast cars. Maybe I'm wrong. It's a
0: Lambo. Keep going.
1: At first, they don't really want to be partners, like most of these movies. They don't want to be partners, and they kind of find themselves in situations where they're constantly teaming up. But the whole time, there's just, like, this weird tension on Michael Norrie's part. He's kind of a hothead, and he wants to know what the hell Kyle McLaughlin's actually up to because things are not lining up properly. Well, McLaughlin keeps
0: in- withholding information, or actually, not necessarily withholding information, but only giving him information he needs. Yeah. But Nori wants more information, always.
1: Yeah, and he's, c- he's of kind mind, of withdrawn character you know. anyway. Kyle McLaughlin's character is a very peaceful, kind of withdrawn character, kind of says little but observes a lot he's kind of like me you know he just the way he sits back and kind of uh, observes how people act and gathers information that way instead of the way michael nori does where it's intimidation and uh interrogation you know it's more aggressive way of doing his work yeah
0: he's he's the cliche tough guy cop and actually i've seen a few michael nori movies and i think that this is his movie
1: oh definitely And it's it's his only role where Okay, so his fame is from Flashdance, but it's an okay movie. Maybe it's a girl thing, because as a guy, I don't really get the appeal. But, okay. But for like genre fans and for people like me, it's the hidden. You know, that's the role they know him for. I- I've heard that he kind of derailed his own career almost immediately because he became insanely difficult to work with. I-, I even on the commentary track, Jack Shoulder says that it made it a challenge every day to want to shoot at all because he knew that every day he was going to get into some sort of conflict with Michael Norrie.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So he wasn't really playing tough guy cop. He was behaving like himself. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Chip on his shoulder. Well, that's interesting. Huh. I wouldn't have thought that, but I guess that makes sense because uh, Michael Nori, his career went straight to video, then DVD. Yeah. Straight to cable stuff. And it was always cheesy sci-fi action things. But they were never as solid as this. No, no. So, interesting that I say this was his movie, but he was not really acting.
1: I think that if there were a couple of other factors in this, I'm not saying anything really gets Jack's shoulder, but he doesn't really film an action sequence very exciting. Of course, this is before you had really like choreographed, well-done action sequences, so I should give some credit to that, but also, the music is god-awful. It is low budget. (laughs) cheap. I mean, this of course is New Line Cinema still in their infancy. I mean, it's only three years out from Nightmare on Elm Street, two years out from Critters, which were their two, like, first hits, you know, that built the studio. So, The Hidden is their most expensive film at that time, I think. I think it was a $6 million movie, and still... Well,
0: the special effects with The Creature is where all of that went, because all of that was pretty dang good.
1: And, And optical effects. There's a few optical effects there. They're not, like, elaborate optical effects, but it does add up. And of course, it isn't cheap to shoot in L.A. with Lamborghinis and a thousand squibs per scene.
0: I think they have... Yeah, lots. They had uh, like... Four Lamborghinis: a real Lamborghini, a body Lamborghini, and two that were already trashed so that they could ram them through that roadblock yeah. thing.
1: If it was an Italian ripoff, so. it would have been miniatures and one guy just sitting in a Lamborghini and never moved.
0: <laughs> a guy from across the room throwing it across the floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it would have been. I- I've
1: literally seen a movie. I've, li- I've literally seen a movie where they did the whole chase sequence at the end of the movie with miniatures. And you're like, oh my god, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those. Uh, the creature, I guess. Does it have an exoskeleton that can collapse? Because that thing is almost comically large coming out of his mouth. When you see it, it's shocking. But at the same time, you're like, "How? Wait, what?"
0: Yeah, well actually it goes Remember the creature hops bodies Goes in through the mouth And in the hospital Mulky transfers the creature to a cardiac patient Which is just The creature is stupid The creature is the id The creature wants what the creature wants And it goes and gets it That's the whole point of this creature Eventually the cardiac patient He just leaves Because he's now a flesh puppet To this creature And the creature is like Poking out of his arm While he's hanging out at a bar And he's like Oh crap, <laughs> I'm leaking (laughs) And then he switches over into the body of a stripper played by Claudia Christian. Yes. So her role uh, at first is just generic stripper girl on stage. And you don't really know why they keep showing her except it's the 80s. So they're showing her because she's a stripper lady. Doesn't show too much flesh, she's just I would say
1: around. 50% of cop movies during this period have stripper scenes in them. Yeah,
0: it's kind of annoying. I mean, I've never been to a strip club, never wanted to, and it's all because of these types of movies. Eh. Seriously.
1: It's the most awkward. There are a bunch of, seriously. There's a bunch of gross so awkward, dudes, dude. you don't or go. what
0: I consider gross, and ladies that may or may not be attractive, but they're all shoving their jubblies everywhere. And the guys are gross, and they're hooting and hollering... It's the same problem as what we were talking about with wildlife, it's just sleazy. Now I'm sure somewhere there might be a topless Place that isn't so sleazy theoretically but in the movies
1: <laughs> the topless <laughs> art museum
0: in the movies it's always sleazy i also grew up in europe where i saw naked statues all the time no big deal and nudity was on television and it wasn't exploitive and i have a respect for the human body that way but i i'm not that prudish in that sense but it's the sleaze factor these movies have them
1: so yeah claudia christian uh kind of a cult actress i think a lot of people know her from hex never on tuesday was a minor cult hit and geeks, uh, the kid with the glasses, the awkward one. She was his mother. Also from uh, Substitute 3, which only I have seen.
0: <laughs> I think that's true.
1: I, I hate to admit it, but I have the four film collection of the Substitute series. I'm pretty sure it was released by the Criterion Collection. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they should. But no, she's just one of those faces that when she shows up, she's always really, really good. Not a household name, but I think I think people like you and me kind of, you know, yeah, know at least I mean, a few things that she's Oh yeah,
0: that's her from whatever. You already named him. She's a tough chick in this once she gets inhabited and she just she's also like a killing machine Just this thing is a killing machine. Like I said, it's the it he wants what he wants and he goes after it I don't know if it's he and Why Kyle McLaughlin is after it is because Kyle McLaughlin too is an alien But he's like a, an energy kind of alien that is trying to stop this thing from doing what he's doing because his own partner I think no his family was killed.
1: Right. I'm trying to think. It, it, with the alien, it it has a core, like the squid core, but it has the tendrils that goes out and it controls all the appendages. Yeah. Now, they're constantly filling these bodies full of bullets, and apparently none of them hit it. And the big rule of the movie is the fact that Kyle McGoffin has to get the body destroyed, so the squid monster comes out and he shoots it with his special laser. Wouldn't a bullet just go through the squid? Am I wrong?
0: I don't really know. I wasn't thinking about it that much.
1: Because <laughs> I was thinking, well, the minute he's out, why do you need that special ray? You know, why do you need that? Like, you know, Done. Shotgun. We're good. Yeah. What if you had armor-piercing rounds, and you went through the body, and you also hit the squid, tore a hole right through it?
0: I don't know. It's an energy laser that he shoots it with, so maybe it is impervious to blunt force. Maybe. Kyle McLaughlin doesn't necessarily do his strongest role here. He's really subtle and quiet, and I think maybe too subtle and quiet. They don't necessarily play up the... They could have, and they should have done a bit more um, fish-out-of-water acting, and jokes like spock member in oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah voyage home spock had a lot of like really funny things because he didn't understand culture and actually all of the star trek guys didn't understand the culture but the fish out of water context of it being an alien and not knowing they could have played that up and hammed that up a little bit that's just script i think so they didn't necessarily give him a whole lot of stuff to do except for being nice which is something that kyle mclaughlin excels at
1: well he's also if you look at the 90s and, and beyond that he's good at playing nice but he's also really good at playing kind of the conniving characters. I mean, he started doing that with, what, the Flintstones? And he would do that from time to time. And I think, uh, what's the one trigger effect he's really good in? It, it seems like he's more interesting when he plays a gray area, where he can pretend to be nice, but he's actually kind of dark.
0: Nah, interesting. You haven't seen Twin Peaks. He's a perfect, lawful, good character in that. Okay. In the second season, they try to muddy him up, but it doesn't stick at all he's still lawful good and it's he's the perfect character like they have other characters like that in, on tv now that are like gruff but lawful good that cowboy show it's on netflix longmire that guy's a lawful good oh character. yeah i know i know what you're talking about yeah. yeah he's a lawful good character where which means he's like righteous tries his hardest to make the correct decision without messing other people up type of thing anyway the tangent kai mclaughlin excels at playing lawful good characters is great and this it's just a little uh I'd say vanilla.
1: Yeah, there's nothing... When it comes to the characters, you're almost basically riding on Michael Norrie's energy to get through it. Right. Because otherwise, it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, so Michael Nori. This is why I was like, this is Michael Norrie's movie, because he's got all the uh, the texture and the, the color. I do wish the movie was stylish, and it isn't... It
1: tries. It-, it-, it, it, it's, it starts to touch on... What do you even call this age now? Okay, so you and I talked about this a couple years ago. With music, it's called Synthwave. But what is it called with movies where there's that kind of synthwave score there's lots of neon it's usually guys in suits in the city you know uh, and usually like you know kind of underground crime oriented kind of movies what do you call that little genre that
0: it, the crime genre it's just 80s you call it '80s '80s crime yeah. '80s. I don't so know. So there's a
1: difference between crime, crime and cop movies. Like *Lethal Weapon* clearly is of that time period, but it has none of those signature points. Right. Whereas *Manhunter* is heavy on that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Well, then, of that's course, we have thing the thing new... that's
0: kind of invented by Michael Mann, really. Michael
1: Mann. *Thief* was his first movie. Okay. And that so is yeah, the so that's, of that that's Michael well, Mann. Well, *Driver*, I guess *Driver* would probably be the first by Walter Hill, but then *Thief* really cemented the look, the sound, and the feel of that kind anything of
0: anything that it has Tangerine Dream on it. Right. That informed that Synthwave stuff that we're all aware of now. This memory. It's almost that memory of that Sinbad movie. It existed. It existed. No, yeah. Sinbad. People keep
1: insisting that movie is real and I'm like no it's not. Stop it. No it, it's really not real.
0: That's stupid. That's that's a internet BS. But everybody's memory of this type of movie is more solid than the actual amount of this type of movie yeah. that exists in real life. We have this memory. This why the Synthwave stuff happens. And uh, my wife and I have gone through trying to figure out where these actual movies are, and it's not. It's just this like common memory that we have of all the best parts of those movies.
1: Right. And, and now it's been regurgitated with Drive being the the big push in that new style. And, and when it, you have like... A, it's great. The I mean, that does everything
0: July. that it should. Drive has the music. Drive has the visual aesthetics, the neon elements, the... Yeah. yeah it,
1: well, What's the game, Far Cry? Blood Drive? I think is the name of it. Yeah, that is yeah. the one that kind of brings in not only the crime synthwave feel, but it's it, uh, heavy on the Terminator. Terminator was a big push in that the neons in the city and uh, uh, synthwave kind of music. Yeah, um, so those two are perfect for that revival. Well, I mean, so that th- that game, Far Cry and, uh, 3,
0: Blood Dragon rips off a lot of musical um, motifs, and it does it deliberately. It's an homage here. Yeah. Of Terminator and various other... It's, it's by Power Glove. So, Nintendo chip tune band.
1: Which, by the way, there are two Power Glove bands out there. There's the metal cover band that does lots of, like, cartoon songs, and they do them in heavy metal thrash. And then there's Power Space Glove, and that's the one we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But Power that's what this movie needed. Glove. Hidden needed a really strong driving soundtrack, and I just felt like it was...
0: Yeah. yeah. The visuals too, with the neon stuff, would have been nice. Nice.
1: But I mean, it is a functional,
0: and it's it, it is s- strong in its strengths, and its weaknesses don't deter too much from those strengths. So, so what's the next film we got? Uh,
1: we got Dead Heat.
0: Someone has brought back the deadliest criminals in the city. Remember the good old
1: days when guns killed people? Uh, uh. But someone else just brought back the most dangerous cop good and you're dead treat williams joe piscopo dead heat you can't keep a good cop dead
0: read it off oh this movie
1: new world's last gasp before things went really This movie really bad.
0: should have been good if you, you know, know any of the resident evil stuff movies or games this movie feels like elements of resident evil and generic crap cop movie action yeah. crap
1: and in a, in a way, a little men in blackish. Uh, I feel like there's a little bit of, like, what was to come ten years later. What do you mean? Explain the... Well, okay, so in Men in Black, there exists this world that, you know, our world doesn't know about. You know, it's kind of underneath the radar. They kind of keep it a secret. Whereas in Dead Heat, I feel like it's the beginning of this world that's being created where all of a sudden there's all these dead creatures going around. Of course, they kind of put an end to it with the exception of the certain ending. If you haven't seen the movie, you might want to stop. But I feel like if you were to have a world of the dead, you know, where this was normal, kind of like the way it is with R.I.P.D. Okay, there. No. It's more like R.I.P.D. If you were to take that in the very, very beginning, before all the dead creatures were, like, cutting kind of your normal everyday thing, it feels like Dead Heat's, like, a prequel to hmm. R.I.P.D.
0: Interesting. Well, the story is uh, it's kind of convoluted, and it's also kind of simple. There are a bunch of bank robbers, and they're zombies. But they're not zombies. They're just dead dudes. And they're kind of gross-looking, but they're wearing masks, and they rob, well, not banks, but, well, they hit jewelry stores and banks and whatever. And uh, they get shot up, and each time it's noticed that... No two bank robbers, because it's a two-man team, are the same. So they figure that this is a huge network of bank robbers, some sort of syndicate. And they're not wrong, eventually. These end up being test runs to see how these dead guys hold up after whatever the experiment is that they uncover. Now, there's a hero named Roger, Roger Mortis. Mortis. <laughs> Mortis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which took me three viewings to get that. I got it about ten years ago. I was like, wait, what? More? Well, hold on a second. <laughs> That's a stupid pun joke. It
0: is. It's like a 14-year-old wrote it.
1: Well, does it make sense, though, when you realize the guy who wrote this is Shane Black's brother? Oh, really?
0: I didn't know that. What? Yeah. Okay. Well, they uh, uncover a plot by a cabal of rich people to uh, live forever while all all the poor people die that's the end game and the guy who's trying to sell all these rich people this fantastic procedure is vincent price Well,
1: let's face it poor people are supposed to die but the same rule doesn't apply to us we're rich god wants us to live forever and even if he doesn't we can always buy him off vincent price and vincent price is the worst vincent underling
0: <laughs> his, his the guy who actually deals with the medicine or the experiment of this whole thing is darren mcgavin and he's
1: i've heard that darren mcgavin is uh really really different to work what? with, But good guy, do I love watch? I love watching him. How on is he difficult to work time. with? He's so he's so funny. I don't know. I've heard that a couple times that he was just kind of like a dick. No,
0: no, I don't want to hear that. No. <laughs> I
1: mean, he was absolutely pleasant. He's
0: funny. <laughs> he has a very funny delivery on how he talks. Okay, he's not the same, but I have affinity towards Darren McGavin, like I have affinity towards Alan Arkin, you know, that sort of thing. Like they, they're like the old guys that you're cool with, and here he's he's a bad guy. Anybody, he's he doesn't play evil. evil. He's fun. He's fine. I can't imagine him being a pain on the set.
1: Yeah, I love his way with dialogue. He's one of those guys that can just give any, even the most absurd thing, uh, and handles it with such grace. There is a ridiculous movie that he made, considered one of the worst movies ever, and I find it entertaining just because of him. Firebird 2015. It's one of those post-apocalyptic Mad Max ripoffs, but from Canada, so everybody's like really pleasant in the future. It's like, <laughs> hey, let's, uh, guess so, we'll just not come over anymore. <laughs> oh well hey there uh you, you mind giving me all of your stuff Ah <laughs> oh, gee there all right never mind then oh it's okay I'll if you, you don't some maple syrup for your gasoline eh <laughs> oh i don't think that'll work there but uh that's okay but he's really enjoyable in that so it's worth sitting through <laughs> okay well I, I kind of remember seeing that i don't
0: remember <laughs> the movie though uh, you should it's not forgettable but they're mcgavin he's always great here this has the undead things that happen the two guys at the beginning and it's a ultra violent movie you're talking about the hidden with like multiple yeah. squibs like crazy this one is just nonsense with the squibs and the being shot up and everything and roger and his partner joe piscopo and
1: there lies your problem with this movie is joe piscopo yes he is the worst thing oh boy
0: yeah he's cracking wise but none of his wise cracks are funny no
1: he doesn't even read the he lines he passes right, a opinion.
0: nun and says call thursday and that's okay what just i get it but I, I don't yeah like anyway it's not just joe piscopo's line delivery and his comedy in this it's his arms and how he carries his shoulders it doesn't seem natural and he's just <laughs> walking around like with his shoulders up in his ears like he's trying to be all mr tough guy but his well, arms are already so enormous like a so, snl what?
1: character he walks around like a sketch character and not yes, a real person
0: like bopping he has this little bounce in a bop but like his his arms are already so big why does he have to like shove them up into his ears you know
1: <laughs>
0: I, don't, I don't i don't get it
1: he would get much much bigger though have you seen him he's like all leathery and he's like 400 pounds of muscle <laughs> No, like, I yeah haven't.
0: i've only seen the picture on wikipedia and that one he actually looked like he aged okay but he's the wisecracking partner they both die and they both get revived one later than the other piscopo at the end as the example
1: i've planned for you a very graphic little demonstration this fan has been dead for hours. I would like to treat you to a little product demonstration.
0: Which is what I'm talking about. Resident Evil. Now, Resident Evil, the big plot. And I'm going to spoil the new one, which is a garbage movie. It shouldn't be a garbage movie, but it is. Because the one previous to this... Actually, I know you liked Afterlife, but Retribution is the more creative... Of yeah. All the Paul Anderson versions. The best made one is the Russell Mulcahy one. But the latest one... The end game is exactly that. The Umbrella Company's board, it's like thousands of people. So basically, all the rich people in the world are cryogenically frozen. And they're just trying to cleanse the okay. world via zombies, via the T-virus, via all this stuff. And now they're going to drop an antidote on everything which will absolutely destroy it, and it's airborne, so anything that's got T-virus or been exposed to it, you know. So now the rich people who are cryogenically frozen will rise and rule a devastated wasteland. But So that's kind of the same sort of thing as this, except it doesn't get so far as the wasteland.
1: Right. Kingsman kind of has the same idea. They're going to destroy everything, and the rich people are the only ones that survive because they say there's not enough people to sustain the way it's going, so they have to kill off all these people. And I'm like, there's 80 of you. Uh, no, <laughs> what?
0: Not just it's that. It's going to be inbred. By this movie <laughs> you're and Resident Evil and you said Kingsman. They don't account for who's going to clean up the mess. Usually the yeah. people who are poor clean up the mess. Not the people in power with the money who have other people wipe their butts for them.
1: Yeah. I was talking to a friend about this, and he said the homeless are the ones that are gonna survive the strongest if there's ever an apocalypse. The rich people are gonna be just they don't know what to do, they can't even function. The you homeless are, are constantly assistants.
0: surviving, is the deal. I get what you're I get what he's saying. Yeah. So Vincent Price has this this bit about it and he's wrong he doesn't even die at the end though like they just blow up the machine at the end and they're two rotting cops now who are just hideous well i was going to talk about the dead stuff also an- another resident evil sort of thing is how like the big biker guy had like three faces
1: oh right which that doesn't really make sense if you're dead and you're just revived why do you have three faces that sounds like the kind of thing where they gave the special effects guy some money and said just do whatever you want and then he came up with that without really thinking uh does this make sense? No. Right, so it, cool. it goes
0: along the line of some sort of mutation or whacked out monster thing that you would have, like I say, proto-Resident Evil. Maybe they saw this and they were like, we like zombies, we like this stuff, we like uh, people going into this place and try to figure things out and uh, struggling with some sort of puzzle sort of thing, which this movie didn't really have. Uh, oh, weird zombie guys. Okay, now we'll put a big eyeball on his shoulder <laughs> and tentacles that come out of his hands. That's the Japanese version. You know, I really, I'm just supposed, that Dead Heat had a little bit to do with Resident Evil.
1: Maybe. Maybe. Subconsciously, maybe Paul Anderson saw it as a kid, you know, and then grabbed some bits and pieces. Well, he obviously stole from Cube for Resident Evil. Well, the first one, and yes. Aliens he, he, Predator. No, he,
0: he owned that, too. He was like, I love Cube. I wanted to pay homage to okay. it. Okay. With lasers instead of wires,
1: everything looks better with lasers. This is one of those almost movies. This really could have well. There's been a bit a much better. There's film. a
0: bit in the middle, but it's all yes. That always loses me. I always glaze over and I always get bored. So I don't really have memory of it. It's after the lady melts in front of him,
1: and that's when it gets boring because that's a, that's a showstopper right there. That's a hell of a special effects sequence. Still holds up today, even though I can figure out how they did it. You know, at the time I was like, oh my god, is this CGI? Like you you know you didn't know, of course. I was like, ah, uh, wait, they didn't have that back then.
0: Right. It was composed. Composite, at the very end, it's composite. Some of the melting stuff. Yeah, it's it's just just stop uh, motion. Yeah, and then puppeting on the set, too. But, yeah, I know my wife hates this movie. And I'm like, it's not any worse than any of the resonating... But it is, actually. It is worse. (laughs) Maybe it's about as good as the latest... Resident Evil movie I don't know that one was pretty bad the yeah, editing on it was really it's, bad
1: the 80s is littered with these kind of movies that were starting to mix up genres and trying to punch in these stupid one-liners and they're almost movies and they're almost always made by smaller studios which every single movie that we're talking about today except Alienation was made by an independent studio just trying to get something out there to connect with the mainstream audiences and Dead Heat like I said was the last gasp basically for New World Pictures things went pretty bad in the uh, 88 year, except for Hellraiser 2, which made them a little bit of money, but then they went out of business, and then the rest of their films got shuffled off to other Um, Uh companies. The nice part is their final full release was Heathers, which is, if you're going to end, you might as well end on your best film.
0: Yeah, well, I guess so, because Heathers is pretty great. Now, here's Um, the
1: weird thing is Mark Goldblatt directed this, and his action sequences have uh, some good design and some energy to them, so it's surprising that two years later, when he was given $10 million to do The Punisher, it is one of the flattest action movies i mean it's just dull and it doesn't move and there's nothing exciting about it
0: well like the hidden I wish this movie was stylish visually. Oh, I get what I wanted eventually in this list. But these first two movies are visually not so stylish. You're right about some of the action beats and and how they're set up. They're cool. But the lenses that they use, it's not exactly cinematic. It seems more TV movie.
1: Right. It's almost, yeah. Well, New World's kind of known for that. I think the only movie they ever had with any style was the Hellraiser movies.
0: And Hellraiser 2, the one that broke them, I guess. Yeah. Is the best Hellraiser so that's well what broke just...
1: them was punisher and, and warlock those both cost 10 million dollars and punisher end up going straight to video and warlock end up being released by vidmark
0: ah i see so um treat williams i gotta say does an admirable job for the most part he's nice he's nice enough He's got a smile, a glint in his eye. He's sarcastic when he needs to be. He's badass when he needs to be.
1: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Treat Williams, and he handles his one-liners the correct way. That's okay. Don't get up. Not the way Joe Piscopo does. And uh, that's why I do own The Substitute Movies, is because he's amazing in that series, even though, for the most part, it's pretty pedestrian. But he's so enjoyable to watch.
0: We, well, he's good. Yeah, he. We've can... already talked about Xander Drax. He's yeah. good.
1: <laughs> Treat Williams is good. And my guilty pleasure of Deep Rising.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that... You shouldn't be guilty. That's like Steven Summer's best movie.
1: No, Odd uh, Thomas is probably his best
0: movie. I guess, maybe. But it's not a roller coaster.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, let's talk about Alienation. They arrived a couple years ago on an automated ship. And
0: everybody's first response was uh, fear. Despite their size and looks, which, by the way,
1: I'm still not too crazy about, they proved to be non-threatening. In fact, they adapted so quickly, people just got used to them. But I've been a cop in L.A. a long time. And I'm telling you... There's something about them that doesn't feel right. Prepare yourself for Alien Nation. Rated R.
0: Yeah, I don't have much to say about this except I watch the TV show more. Okay. Well,
1: you are not a fan of Alien nope. Nation as much as I am. I will say the last time I watched it, I think the novelty was starting to wear off. I was a big fan of the TV show on Fox. I watched the TV show for,
0: I think, at least the first season.
1: It was only on for one season. Then there was, I think, five movies. That's the deal. Um, so the I watched show, the first season. The TV and I stopped show the is TV better. Yes. Yeah.
0: But I watched this series. So I was there for that.
1: Yeah. The stories and the chemistry in the TV show are stronger than they are in the film, but of course, the film is important if you want to set up that world. I do like some of the stuff, you know, a lot of it. Great sci-fi usually has metaphors. You know, yeah. they're, they're talking about one thing but they actually mean another, which normal society, sometimes I want to say red states, <laughs> don't exactly want to talk about it, but if you get it presented to them in a different way, they start thinking about, you know, uh, race and sex and sure. stuff like that, and, and the old ways are changing into the new ways, and it's time to evolve. And Alienation presents these people from another planet coming down as refugees, and and wow, this is ah, a hot topic right now. Yeah. As refugees, and they're basically relegated to Los Angeles, right? They ne- they never say whether or not they're in other cities. They're only allowed to be in Los Angeles, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I
0: don't recall it being anywhere else. I think it's just all of L.A. It's a huge one, no, yeah, there's and, like one or yeah, two ships like that came down. There yeah. is a, there is actually they, a lot of world building here, which is interesting. I'll just say the parts that I don't like is just the standard cop drama stuff.
1: Right. That is the weakest element of it is the cop part because it's just a generic cop story just with aliens instead of like German terrorists or whatever you want to call them. But it's the stuff underneath that really works. But what what the best part is is the fact that Mandy Patinkin is so fantastic and this James Conn is good and this was a comeback for him after like eight years of doing movies that nobody wanted to watch <laughs> between Thief and Alienation. Nothing. Nobody cared. Right. But it's Mandy Patinkin. He is the one who makes this movie. He is so good. Uh, just a sensitive thoughtful character who embraces the frustration of being persecuted, treating like a, a, a third class citizen. But at the
0: same time a- and he's a cop. Not just a cop for his people, but a cop. He's a cop for everybody. So that's right. an interesting Right, and he thing. does
1: his job very well, but he does it in a different way yeah. than James Conn does.
0: So I mean, okay, look there's a lot that's interesting about it. It's also just the way it's done I think. I think if they were to remake it from the ground up using all the world built stuff, using that exact image infrastructure, right? but a new and more compelling drama cop story, I would probably be behind it.
1: I think the big problem here is that Graham Baker, the director, doesn't have much for visual and doesn't really want to... I'm not going to say he is a high-level director. Uh, the only other film I've seen from him is that Beowulf with Christopher Lambert, which is... Oh, oh my God. He did that? Yeah, he did. Oh, God. Uh, if you had taken... Now, the guy who created Incredible Hall and the VTV series, he ran Alien Nation for Fox. He brought a lot more layers. To the TV show that the movie didn't seem to be interested in doing, which was necessary because you're taking a 25 million dollar and you're you know melting it down to one million dollars an episode, you're going to have to have a great story and great characters in order to keep people's interest. Yeah.
0: So I mean, yeah. they did the world building part, which I really appreciate. It's just the rest that I just nah don't care. Yeah.
1: So not a lot to go into here. I would say probably check out the TV series. It's more important, I think, than movie. But you know, you kind of have to watch the movie to get the you know the beginnings of it. Yeah.
0: So that brings us to QC. Winston's finest
1: I come in peace dark angel I come in
0: peace. wait what dark angel I come in peace dark angel I come in peace. three well armed men have their throats cut before they can even draw their weapons who could possibly move that fast I come in peace Think the weapons are key yes I do it's
1: like turning your radio dial to K I L L
0: get down I come in peace Please stop him He'll kill your people by the thousands. What does he want? A priceless trout. What you call
1: endorphins? Where did you say you were from? If he returns, it will be a slaughter. Looks like we've got what he came for. Hold your handle over immediately. Pull it over now. Don't blunder it. You go in pieces. I come in peace. <laughs> Do you think it would have sold as Dark Angel? What's the title? Uh, Well, in England, it's uh, Dark Angel. It's the original title. I Come in Peace is the Americanized. uh, We gotta sell this movie to, you know, Super Bowl watchers, you know? (laughs) So.
0: Well, I saw the trailer back in the day, and I always wanted to see this movie, and I eventually did on cable. When I saw the trailer in America, because I was here this time, it was I Come in Peace. So only recently, you know, in the last 10 or so years did I learned that it was Dark Angel. Now, I really like this movie. I do. I like Dolph Lundgren. Yeah,
1: he's great in it. And it's weird, though. Look at where he was post-Rocky with Masters of the Universe and Red Scorpion and Punisher, where he was monosyllabic.
0: No, Red Scorpion was great. No, no,
1: but I'm saying his character, he was very was... stone-faced, hardly said a word, was all action. And then all of a sudden, he does I Come in Peace and cover-up. He dyes his hair. Well, he kept it that way from Punisher. But in all three movies, he has the dark hair and progressively better. I don't know if you've ever seen Cover Up. It's nothing great visually.
0: I don't recall seeing. Yeah,
1: it. Yeah, uh, him and uh Lou Gossett Jr. A partner up again, and it's about this conspiracy thing over in like Israel. Uh He's like an ambassador or something. It's been a while since so I've seen it, but so I remember... it's an
0: internet. It's an international action movie, right? It's uh, so that it would has... only hit over here on video or cable. And right. Released in a lot of
1: it's about politics and and in a spy stuff. So at the time that was is popular but he's really really good in it he's also great in men of war which is his finest film but i would say i come in peace is probably his second best i know i really there.
0: like his performance in it he's a he's yeah. got charisma is the word i'm looking for and he
1: finally gets to use his martial arts you know i don't think he got to use it in any other movie and, and that's what he was in the olympics for was the pentathlon and uh kickboxing
0: yeah and uh brian benben plays his fbi partner
1: come on let me take the wheel i said i'm driving One second thought, you go ahead! Great. Absolutely great. He's a funny guy who does it kind of different than the way they would normally do in the eighties. He does his humor like the way it is now, where it's more neurotic, introverted, kind of like rambling.
0: So he actually, so so HBO had a series, and it's like uh, a forerunner to all kinds of series that they had. Like curb your enthusiasm is that massive neurosis. And sex in the city, I suppose. So it's like a combination of curb your sex, (laughs) I suppose, in the city. It's just a show called Dream On. And eventually it would be Trump and edited for comedy central but before that it was the unrated hbo version which had all the tna you could ever want but in the context of this guy and his sex life and drama in being a yuppie so brian ben ben was that guy yeah and it's from john landis
1: right am i correct that he produced it i don't know okay
0: But uh, Brian Ben-Ben is, is a little dude, and he's got this um, quick, sharp delivery to the way he quips, and it's it's pretty good. So this movie is about another alien comes to Earth, figured out, shooting people up with heroin, all of the heroin, gets their endorphins, yeah, their adrenaline pumping. Uh, hopping, their dopamine in their brains a-popping. So after he shoots them up with sort of like a, a tendril, needle, into the chest, it goes into their brains where it becomes highly Concentrated form of dopamine, and he extracts that with another spike sort of thing, and he's just harvesting this. This is the world that he's in now. He's just a drug maker. He's a, he's cooking meth, but cooking meth is stabbing people in the chest, pumping them full of heroin, extracting it from their brain, all within a minute. And this other big alien, they're both big aliens. In fact, the major bad guy alien is six five. I didn't realize that he was six five, dude. Matthias, what's his Matthias name? Matthias
1: Hughes. It is Hughes. Yeah. I was
0: gonna say. That guy is huge. I didn't know that he was tall. You know
1: that guy can move like nobody else. Like someone that big should not be able to do action sequences very well. But he is a full-on martial artist. Uh, The first thing I'd ever seen him in was No Retreat, No Surrender two, and he's doing. That was his first movie. Yeah, he's doing Hong Kong style action sequences.
0: That movie lost Jean Claude, right? So they freaked out, and he was called by one of the guys who owned Gold's Gym. He's a co partner, and he was also a stunt
1: guy. And they were like, We need
0: a guy, and so he's like, How about I know this guy Matthias works out. So that's how he got that movie.
1: Yeah, it's funny if you look at that movie that Van Damme convinced the other guy, Kurt McKinney, to quit too. They were both signed on for the sequel and they both quit. And, and all of a sudden they have Matthias Hughes and Lauren Avedon and, you know, while both didn't really have big careers, Lauren Avedon is one of the finest martial artists I've ever seen in my life. And Matthias Hughes and him go at it and it's just a fantastic action sequence and nobody really knows who these guys are. At best they'll go, oh yeah, the big dude from I Come in Peace.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the, I Come in Peace is Matthias's biggest movie. That's what he's most recognized right. from so the story is standard now that we told you who's who but there's also a little uh sort of a side plot the fbi doesn't really want to play ball and stop this guy they just want to get his tech basically yeah. if they get his tech they can reverse engineer it and make weapons for the government
1: that little disc and is one of uh, the coolest special effects for pre-cgi that sequence is where the disc comes out and flies to everybody and then later of course oh, they right. take it out of the yeah, speaker yeah. and the it's disc. flying around it's It's just really well done back then you didn't have a lot of cgi tricks to make it work you know usually you could tell from a mile away like oh that's some terrible you know whatever photoshop (laughs) i don't know it's not photoshop but you know what i mean like uh composite yeah yeah. blue screen
0: yeah well this it's all in camera it's i like in camera stuff that's like why a lot of Evil Dead type movies where the camera is really kinetic and partially a character in that movie. This, see, this is what I'm saying. This movie has visuals, has characters that I like, has uh, enough stakes involved because this guy ain't gonna stop. He's just gonna harvest all the drugs from everybody all the time. Yeah. That's his goal. And then he goes off to his planet. However, he goes off to his planet, but there's this cop alien that's there to stop him. He can't because he gets mortally wounded with white guts hanging out of his body, which doesn't sound gross because it just looks like paint, right? But it's really disgusting.
1: You know what's weird is when he dies, it's like that big white burst of light. Then when Matthias yeah. Hughes goes, it's just, it's a little bit different. I don't know if they're different species. Well, no, no, they're not. They're they are hmm, clearly from the same planet and same well, style, but something. They
0: have the same kind of white eyes, but the cop has this weird hair. At <laughs> <on. Very laughs> well,
1: the first I thought it was balding, but clearly it's shaved. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: I, I really like Dark Angel, I Come in Peace.
1: You know what's weird is the budget on I Come in Peace, The Hidden, and Dead Heat, all the same. All apparently $6 million dollars. Now, while I'm having trouble buying that I Come in pieces was made for 6000000 million, I'm going to guess more like 10 or 12 If that's true, hmm. someone did a really, really good job of putting this movie together because...
0: The director of photography, whatever his name is... Well, that and Craig R. Baxley is an action solid. guy. You
1: know, he's a guy who started off with the A-Team and, and shows like that where you had to have a ton of action. You had to move fast and you had to save money. That could be the reason why... Look at, look at the movies he did before that. He did Action Jackson. He did that for $8 million, which is clearly... It looks like a $20 million movie. And hmm. he did Stone Cold, which, oh, my God, the manliest movie ever made. That movie is just drenched in motor oil and testosterone. Uh-huh. And that movie was made for, like, 15. And it looks like it made about, you know, it cost about 30. And then things kind of went away. Started doing huh. direct-to-video, you know. And, and the movies are okay. But it wasn't until he started doing the Stephen King movies for ABC where he, he started to have a comeback.
0: Oh, well, I'm glad then because I Come in Peace is, you, you always know. You're not a big action guy, Andrew. Well, I watched a ton of action. This is why I'm not a big action guy. Because I've (laughs) sat through so much action, and it's a lot of it's just trash throwaway stuff. There's stuff that I really, really appreciate, and it's for different reasons. Like I can get into Jackie Chan movies to a degree because of the craftsmanship and how and Jet Li too, how perfectly staged they are, and that they're actually really doing most of this stuff. And then and you 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 see Dolph doing
1: uh, all his own action sequences. He's really doing those, you know, spin kicks and stuff like that, and being thrown around. There, and I know there's some. Cheap cutaways with the explosions. My God, there's a lot of explosions because that 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 gun. Those guns,
0: their, their guns, are just like rapid fire rocket launchers. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I They're don't know. Amazing. Are they are
1: they explosive bullets? What were they? Because you know he he has that thing on the gun where he crank up the levels, which yeah. makes me wonder why didn't they have it at the top level every single time?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I think the bad guy does. Every time he shoots, everything explodes. Yeah, um, is it
1: bullet-oriented? Is it ammo-oriented? Or is it, like, a <laughs> laser? What is it? I don't understand. I don't know, because if it's bullets, you can't exactly... Uh, well, I guess you could adjust how many bullets are going per pull of the trigger. Like, you know how some are adjusted, so three with the pull and three of the let-go? It guess could, could be that, like a Judge Dread gun. Double whammy. Yeah. I don't know why I'm even questioning it. It's, it's uh, right? ridiculous. Right? Just accept it. Uh, a few of these movies here in Dolph Lundgren's career uh, seem to be plagued with disaster. Red Scorpion was supposed to be released by I think Fox and then they found out some sort of dubious stuff was going on behind the scenes by <laughs> infamous criminal Jack Abramoff who produced the movie. So they cut their deal and then some nothing, CGE end up releasing it in like 600 screens so it barely got released. Masters of the Universe, the budget got slashed halfway through production and then Canon Pictures had some serious financial problems afterwards. Punisher, yeah. New World Pictures goes out of business, the Punisher goes straight to video from live and then Transworld is actually the team that put together I Come in Peace and then someone else ended up paying for it because Transworld went out of business. So Vision Entertainment Jeez. released it with Triumph.
0: Gosh, man, that's why nobody knows really too much about this movie. This movie's yeah. great. This and is I why saw like, the trailer for the, this,
1: uh, the pilot episode of The Flash. They showed the trailer for this, and I was like, I am totally down for watching.
0: That's probably where I saw it. And it's a Christmas movie, which I was going to open the episode with, "Merry Christmas." And you were being, oh, no, it's it's February. What are you talking about? Because you sound like <laughs> Rocky to me. Uh, I just yeah. found it. To be worth mentioning that it's a Christmas movie that we're not going to talk about on our Christmas Not Christmas, if we ever do that again. Yeah, Uh, I don't know. But it's is—it's also set in Houston, so it doesn't at all feel or look like it's Christmas because it's Texas, and that's what happens here.
1: You know, I actually like the fact that it's shot in Houston. Not a lot of things are shot there, and it has a different feel. It doesn't reek of Texas. You know, you don't see people in cowboy boots and and, uh, lots of sand. Yeah, Houston and Austin are like a whole different world than what you usually see see on film with texas and they and got lots
0: of big awesome building shots like yeah right the cameras and, and where of, they're looking up at the characters and there's huge lit up buildings behind them it's great
1: yeah it's so well lit in in the design where i saw the shout factory restoration of it so technically it was dark angel but it's a beautiful print and the guys who shot it really i mean they probably did it quickly but they had the right people to make it look good yeah
0: so the hidden uh, i would say is number two on my list out of this in the order it would be dark angel the hidden and then the other two are interchangeable yeah well uh, no, no no no, not dead interchangeable heat honestly dead Heat's last, last. <laughs> dead. <laughs> dead. you're dead right dead last so Whew. that was fun that's our buddy cop genre movie discussion
1: yeah which is going to lead into our next episode which is a mini instead of our normal four movies we're going to be discussing the 30th anniversary of dragnet the story is true <laughs> And stakeout. So we'll kinda be in that buddy cop, you know, genre, but without the special effects. And lots more. Tom Hanks No, right. Oh my (laughs) god. I can't wait. All right, everybody. I have no idea how to end an episode, so um bugger off, eh? Burger bugger, get in here. Uh, you're getting a new partner. I object to having
0: a new partner.